I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. This week, I have my brother on as we recap all the week one games of the NFL season. What an exciting week it was to finally get football back, uh, finally get the NFL back in our lives and be able to watch all the games that ended up happening uh, this past weekend. Um, And there were a ton of exciting games uh, that me and my brother ended up talking about and breaking down. Um, and maybe some of the regrets that we had from our, from last week's preseason podcast, and maybe if we regret anything already by watching the get the games, can you say Browns and the Jets? So uh, tune in to this podcast to listen in on our week one recaps and then previewing week two. So thanks guys for listening as always, and let's give my brother a call. Hello. Hey, Mike. Thanks for coming back on for week two of the NFL podcast. Um, There is a lot of stuff that has happened over this past week, um, if if our listeners could believe it. But over the past week, and honestly, right after we posted that podcast, there was just so much news that ended up happening with Antonio Brown that it went unbelievably crazy do you kind of want to outline what ended up happening with Antonio Brown from him going to the Raiders to the Patriots yeah that's uh I mean that's only the tip of the story right there so Antonio Brown to the uh, the Patriots right and um, really such a crazy saga right there and you know even today, we're hearing some pretty shocking news, um, you know, with some accusations against Antonio Brown. So, stories just keep coming with this guy. Um, but, yeah, no, it's definitely one of the, the big topics of uh, preseason and, you know, going into week one, too. Yeah, so I guess, like, to just kind of do, like, a basic outline for our listeners, and I'm sure a lot of people have been hearing about Antonio Brown in the news Um if you follow the NFL at all, that Antonio Brown ended up kind of, I don't know, creating a storm up in uh, Oakland for the Raiders as um, all throughout the preseason, he had, um, he had like problems with his feet, with it being frostbitten and then him not uh, participating in preseason really. And in practice because of his helmet and, um, all those issues about him not um, liking that his old model of his helmet could not be used because it had been over 10 years. So he had to find a new helmet. And then from that, there basically right after we posted the podcast, there was um, stuff about him um, and Mike Mayock who is now the GM of the Oakland Raiders getting into it in terms of getting into a confrontation. Um, and that seemed fairly wild. And then there was like, whether or not he was going to play uh, for the Oakland Raiders or whether or not he was going to um, 
get suspended and therefore um, lose out on $29 million of guaranteed money on his contract. What ended up happening was he ended up getting fined uh, $200,000 or so, um, therefore offsetting that $29 million guaranteed. Um, And that was, I guess, the tipping point for him to get released from the Raiders and get a get a contract i think it was 15 million dollar contract one year 15 million dollar contract from the patriots and i like as soon as i heard that antonio brown was getting released from the raiders i just kind of knew that he was going to go to the patriots yeah i i think we all had that sneaking suspicion that uh you know, honestly, he might go to the Patriots. And I was joking about it with a friend who's a Pats fan. And, I mean, you could tell that he 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 felt like the Patriots had a decent, like, decent shot. And I kind of knew that the Patriots had a decent shot at getting Antonio Brown. Of course, it ends up happening. Um, and now we have to endure a whole season where the Patriots go 14-2, um, just you know, flat out destroy everyone in the playoffs and uh, winning at the Super Bowl. I know. I mean, it just seems like that's kind of what destiny has for us. But what's kind of interesting, and there's new developments coming out today. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. And earlier tonight, it was reported that there was uh, sexual assault allegations against uh, Antonio Brown back in 27 and 2018 from a former trainer of his. And uh, I don't know if you were able to read part of the story, but some of the details were fairly disturbing um, coming out, coming from that story. So I wonder what the fallout is from this, but I'm not exactly sure if it, if it changes much. Yeah, I, it's a little too early to say what ends up happening with that. I think a lot of details are still flowing out. Um, but, yeah, no, pretty disturbing allegations. Um, but, honestly, it, I think it's a little bit early to say what will end up happening. Right. And I, I guess, like, kind of just maybe away from the off-field stuff, and it's kind of really hard to separate the on-field performance of Antonio Brown from the off-field stuff that has ended up transpiring this off season, but just from the on-field perspective, what do you, what is your, what's your thought on what he provides the Patriots um, as another weapon on that offense? Yeah. I mean, obviously this is probably one of the most talented Patriots teams that I've seen in recent memory. Usually something's off with them. They don't have the receivers. Oftentimes they don't have the defense. Um, But this year they really have everything, right? And what Antonio Brown really brings to them is just that, uh, honestly, extremely dynamic playmaker at a skill position um, like we haven't seen Tom Brady have uh, for the past few years. Like, Back when Tom Brady had Randy Moss, obviously we saw what happened. We had the 16-0 season, and we just, you know, records were being broken like left and right. I'm not saying that that will happen, but I do think Antonio Brown is to that caliber of a player as like a Randy Moss. Um, I just think that the ceiling for Tom Brady might be a little bit lower now. Um, 
which is why we might not have like a repeat of that 2007 season. But they don't really need it at this point. They're much more balanced. They have an amazing, like a pretty decent run game. Um, they have the pass catching backs. Like this team, just everywhere at every position, is, is kind of loaded. They know their roles, and I expect them to have a pretty, you know, successful season here. Yeah, and I think I mean we could even kind of get into Week One games, and I, let like let's start with the Pats versus the Steelers, and it was pretty evident that even without Antonio Brown on the field, the Patriots look like they haven't missed a beat, um, and they pretty much picked up for where they left off from last last season in terms of offensively similar things that we saw against maybe not in the Super Bowl, but when they played against the Chiefs in terms of how effective that offense looked and they were doing it in different ways. Like they talked about, I think how they used these wide receiver formations without tight ends on the field. Um, And they were just talking about how, um, I think the commentators on Sunday night were just talking about how effective they were um, without uh, tight end formations. Um, and I thought that was fairly impressive, kind of changing it up, um, changing up their offense in comparison to last season without Gronkowski and that they're, they're able to remain effective, especially with Josh Gordon back um, and Julian Edelman back for a full season. Yeah, I mean, talking, like, looking at this game here, 33-3 for the Patriots who are at home for the game. Um, really, honestly, kind of a surprising result, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought the Steelers would do a lot better than that. I thought that they're, I mean, you lose Antonio Brown, but you still have that offensive line, James Conner, um, you know, Juju. Like, they, they have weapons, right? Yeah, I I thought it was a really surprising game. Like, James Conner gets 10 carries for 21 yards. Big Ben didn't look that great at all either. Um, I thought they struggled a lot offensively, which kind of surprised me. Um, But I think it has more to do with the Patriots' defense and that defensive backfield and secondary. Um, That secondary is just unbelievably deep. Uh, with the McCordy brothers, and then you have um, uh, Stephon Gilmore. You got all these – you, you guys, they have, like, so many different cornerbacks and safeties that they're able to match up um, really well uh, defensively against that Pittsburgh uh, wide receiving core. So while it was surprising to see how much pitch – how much Pittsburgh struggled. I thought the Patriots had a really good game defensively. Yeah. And it's not like, so two other surprising things. The first thing is that, I mean, that was, this game was a lot of Brady, right? And Brady looked really good. Uh, If I look at the rushing stats for New England, I mean, Sony Michelle, 15 carries, 14 yards. So they weren't really getting too much on the ground. I mean, Rex Burke had it a pretty, it looked good. He looked good. He looked extremely shifty. Um, but overall, like, not an amazing game for either team's rushing. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's still, like, a, a level that New England can still unlock, which is even scarier. But for the, uh, for the you know, Pittsburgh, my, I mean, the observation here is, like, they just looked, they looked sloppy, right? I, 
I'm mm-hmm. not sure how much practice uh, the Steelers had before this first game, but they they just really did not. I I mean like nothing nothing impressive. I'm not gonna say that, uh, that I'm out on the Steelers yet. They were one of my kind of like preseason picks, um, and I, you know Patriots at home first week. It's tough to make any rapid reactions, but I do think that um, this was a pretty bad result for a preseason prediction on the Pittsburgh. Yeah, it it didn't look positive, but we also have to kind of remember that the Patriots are probably the best team in the NFL this year, and mm-hmm. if Pittsburgh kind of struggles offensively, and especially if it's the first week, um, and it could be kind of this getting the rust off especially after the preseason and a lot of the starters not playing, especially veteran guys like Big Ben who who didn't get that much time uh, in the preseason. It's kind of um, – I, I guess it was foreseeable to see a result like this. And we kind of saw that in um, a couple different games, like the Packers-Bears game. Um, that wasn't – like Aaron Rodgers didn't look – that great either um i mean he was playing a really good chicago defense but he did not look that sharp either and i think a lot of people would consider him one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl um and it seemed like he really got bailed out by his defense um and mitch trubisky looked awful like he didn't look good at all during that game um so i think there was like some offensive struggles that you could see and you could point to like the Atlanta Falcons against the Vikings. They didn't look that like Matt Ryan didn't look that good. They're down 20 zip at one point um, before they ended up scoring a couple touchdowns, but they didn't look great at all offensively. But I mean, I think it's, and I think this is one of the classic things where a lot of people are so excited and jacked up for week one of the NFL that there tends to be a lot of overreactions. So I really like to take two games uh, before I make any big uh, proclamations about whether or not a team is going uh, is going to be on the downslope this uh, NFL season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, are there any any uh, teams here that you might be out on though already? That I might be out on already. I mean, the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins seem like a fairly easy team to just be like, all right, they're done for this season. Like, is it possible that they – I mean, and and we kind of knew going into this season they're pretty much like doing the NBA thing and tanking for this Mm -hmm. season and maybe hoping for a high draft pick um, going into next year and maybe uh, picking to a tag of Vailoa as maybe their franchise quarterback. But it was really disheartening to kind of see that team get getting destroyed um, 59 to 10, which is crazy. I think the Ravens ended up scoring 42 points uh, before halftime. Uh, Lamar Jackson looked unbe- like unbelievable during that game. And I think a lot of my friends, especially I was talking to one of my friends that was a Baltimore Ravens fan and he was saying how not that he expected this type of offensive explosion from Lamar Jackson, but he was kind of expecting an improvement this year just because 
they had a full offseason to tailor an offense around Lamar Jackson after Lamar had basically kind of making having a makeshift offense around Lamar in the middle of the season when transitioning from Flacco to Lamar last year. Yeah. And and typical like we, we don't want to overreact to the teams that lost and might have their season be over. But we also don't wanna I don't wanna overreact on some teams that had some very good results as well. And I think Baltimore is one of them. Um I mean they did lose quite a few key defensive players like C J Mosley to our Jets. Um Suggs as well. Um, and I, I'm just not like, you know, I want to see the Ravens play a more respectable team than the Dolphins. And we're going to have to wait for more than one week on that since they're playing uh, the Cardinals <laughs> next. Right. But uh, I think that the game against the Chiefs, even the Browns and Steelers, like they are going to start to get tested uh, with some divisional rivals uh, quite soon. So I think that those will be interesting games. I, I think the Ravens did look pretty amazing. And if I had to rebet my money on it, you know, they would be a great pet to win that division, especially what we saw from the Steelers and the Browns. Man, that was that was sad to see. That was pretty yeah. pretty uh pretty sad to see. Um but yeah, I, I I'm not going to just write off the Ravens as that division winner just yet. Yeah, like they were, they did what they were supposed to do. They were expected to destroy the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think they, I mean, maybe not by forty nine points, but they definitely were expected to win that game against the Dolphins. But even that Titans Browns game, like forty three to thirteen, um, I don't think anyone really foresaw that coming, especially with the hype train coming into the season for Cleveland you know, surrounding this team with all the off-season acquisitions they made in OBJ, um, Olivier Vernon. They 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 signed a bunch of different – signed and traded a bunch of players and acquired a lot of flashy new toys, and they kind of fell flat on their face. Baker Mayfield didn't look comfortable in the pocket at all through three interceptions, and not that – we and I think this is like without without overreacting. It, it, he didn't look great in this game. Um, he was running all. around quite a bit. I mean, his offensive line. I think yeah. I, I, did some guy get like you know one guy got like kicked out of the game? The left um, tackle got kicked out of the game. Then I think yeah, the placement left tackle got hurt. So they were working with like the third string left tackle. So, I mean, they'll probably have to figure some stuff out coming uh, for next week against the Jets. But, yeah, I think that's a tough situation to kind of be relying on your third string left tackle. Yeah, and kind of a classic Tennessee Titans game, like very run dominant. Defense was like pretty solid. Um, Marcus Mariota, he looks good. 14 of 24, though. I mean, not the best completion percentage. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, in terms of this game right here, yeah, I mean, I have the Browns, like, missing the playoffs. I I honestly don't think that they're going to keep um, – you know, I, I, I can't see them making the playoffs, in my opinion, either. So. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that, you know, the Browns-Jets game on Monday night kind of – 
is set up for whoever loses that game. It's, it's going to be hard. It's, it's going to be your season. Yeah. That's your season. I'm not going to lie. Right. It seems like as crazy as it is to say, like, if you're 0-2, like, your season's over, it just feels like whoever loses that game, it's going to be really tough for them to make a playoff push or a wild yeah. card run. Um, exactly, because both of the, both the Jets and the Browns played very winnable games. So the Jets played the Bills and the Browns played the Titans. And you have the second-week matchup where it's like it's another mid-tier team. And if you want to sneak in as a wild card, like these are the games that you have to win. So I do think that's a pretty fair assessment that, honestly, like whoever loses this game, I can't imagine them somehow going from 0-2 and making the playoffs, unless you go on like a Texans run like they did last year. Which is which was like a ridiculous run uh, ridiculous. for any team, right? For any team to make. So we mentioned our Jets, Mike. Oh, our Jets, right? Like, what what can you say about them, especially with you know them being up sixteen zero at one point and then giving up that lead uh, to end up losing seventeen sixteen at home to the Bills. Um, I just. I don't. I, 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 just, I don't know. Let me get your reactions from it. That was such a disappointing game. I'm not gonna lie. Like our kicker misses. A, like I, I, you know, he misses a field goal. Well, he's um, gone. He's gone. He's gone. He, he's yeah. gotta be gone. Yeah. Thank. It's I mean, thank God. It's confirmed. Yeah. Sam Ficken, who's a Penn State alum, got got signed. He ended up filling in for uh, a Greg Zerline for a couple games last year when Zerline was hurt for the Rams. So he's come in to replace Yeah, he's come in for Vedvik, um, who did not look good in the preseason for the he Vikings. He after the preseason. Right. So I, I'm not even sure why we decided to go with this guy. Like, he, he looked horrible in the preseason as well. Um, but, yeah, super disappointing. I mean, Darnold did not – honestly did not impress me that much either. Like, how many times are we going to get our, like, throws batted down by the defensive linemen, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that was super frustrating. I mean, Gase, kind of after the game, like, just went after his receivers for not running the correct routes. Um, he went after the offensive line. Didn't really call out Darnold as much. But, you know, a lot of – not so positive takeaways. I mean, if you take a look at like Jack, Lamar Jackson, even Josh Allen, relatively okay. Um, like Darnold did not take, you know, I, it's too early to say, but he, he, I, I still want to see the leap from Darnold. Um, right. And I think the defense. You, yep. Yeah. Sorry. I think if you look at the box score and if you didn't watch the game, like, you could look at Darnold's completion percentage and be like, oh, he completed over 60% of his passes. But look at how many yards he threw for. And, like, the amount of balls that were batted down, like, there was, like, so many balls that were batted down um, by that defensive line for the Bills that it became frustrating um, to kind of see. And it seemed like Darnold was locking in on one of on one receiver. Crowder. Um, and exactly, Jamison Crowder, um, which made it a lot easier for the defensive line to predict whether, like, when to put their hands up to uh, knock down a ball. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, I mean, a good signing of Crowder, at least to be like that safety ball for Darnold, because it doesn't seem like he's comfortable just airing it out yet. Um, 
And it seems so, and and the Jets also, um, as of today, acquired um, Demarius Thomas from the Patriots for, I believe, a sixth round pick, sixth yeah. or fifth round pick um, yeah, from the pick. Patriots. So that might possibly help, even though Demarius Thomas is um, on the back end of his, of his career. Uh, that's another possible option for Darnold to kind of utilize. But, um, and then I, I mean, before I interrupted, you were going to talk about, uh, their defense. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty happy with how the defense played though overall. Right. I mean, CJ Mosley, it seemed like he got hurt or he, he was held off the field for a little bit mm-hmm. at the end, but he looked, I mean, I've always been a CJ Mosley fan, just a really, really smart player who really commands a defense. Like he, you know, he, he he had a big play with the touchdown. Um, so definitely think that that was like a strong signing. Uh, Jamal Adams played well. Uh, it, I mean, the defense, it looked solid, right? So no complaints there. Uh, even Le'Veon Bell looked pretty dynamic. Like there were a few, I remember there was one play where it's like, I, I thought that they weren't going to get the first down, but you just saw like the second wind with Le'Veon Bell. And that's not something that we've had in the past. Um, so, you know, I do think that some work needs to be done. You know, we obviously have to fix up the kicking. That's, that's table stakes. I don't want to be the chargers of the, a, like, AFC East here. Um, yeah, was, and – yep. And yep. that was, that was uh, quite frustrating to see that the kicking game kind of uh, fault the Jets against the Bills. And – I mean, defensively, like, my thoughts on it were I thought they looked fairly good. I mean, obviously, they ended up having, like, four turnovers um, during the game, uh, creating four turnovers defensively. So that was another positive for them. But as soon as um, Mosley went out, that's kind of when the Bills started going, um, making their run in that second half. And that, I think, was – like, I think that was the frustrating thing, especially also um, offensively. And, and this goes back to the offense, and I think most of the problems for the Jets were offensive. Like, off of four turn- turnovers, they weren't able to convert on really any of them except for that pick six. Um, so that was frustrating. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't want to talk about the Jets a whole, you know, podcast. Um, I mean, jury's still out, right? It was a tough game. It definitely hurts our chances of being that sort of dark horse. I, I didn't see it. I, I, I truly didn't see it. So I'm not sure this is going to be that season just yet. Uh, we need that development from Sam Darnold. Um, but, but yeah, like the Jets, it, it was a disappointing game overall. So we'll have to wait till next week. Yeah, totally. So, Mike, there, there are like a lot of other games looking um, across the league in terms of there are a lot of close games. I thought we had like one of the most exciting games um, of the week during that Monday night game between mm-hmm. the Houston uh, Texans and the Saints. Um, that was, and just to kind of like narrate for some of the listeners who don't really know, Deshaun Watson ended up kind of uh, guiding his team 75 yards in two plays to go ahead uh, 28 to 27 against the Saints. Uh, with about 37 seconds left, I believe. And I think I texted uh, a couple group chats that I'm in that I talk about, talk about football in. And I, I said, 
I think that's a little bit too much time for Drew Brees. As crazy as that sounds, 37 seconds was a little bit too much time uh, for Drew Brees to get into position, to field goal position, uh, score and, you know, what do you know, in, in about 35 seconds, I was proven correct when Will Lutz ended up kicking a 58-yarder uh, to win the game for the Saints to win 30-28. to 28. But what were your overall thoughts of that game? Um, it, it was a, I thought it was a really great way to bookend the uh, week uh, with a really, really fun and exciting football game. Yeah, so definitely a lot of games to talk about. I don't know if we'll have time to deep dive on every single one, but it would be good to get, like, rapid reactions to some of them. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, that, that Texan Saints game, I, in my opinion, the best game of the week. Um, kind of by far. A lot of them were blowouts. Um, but, yeah, very, very exciting game. And I think that we learned that both the Texans and Saints are dynamic and legitimate um, playoff contenders, right? Um the Saints, Breeze still has it. Alvin Kamara looked incredibly, incredibly shifty. Um, and from the Texan side, I mean, Nook, that guy, that guy's the best receiver in the league, in my opinion. Right? Not controversial. Yeah. Nook. And I got to give it to him over someone like Julio and, um, you know, OBJ. You have Antonio Brown. But, man, that guy's catch radius, like, is, is unbelievable. Yeah, and I I mean, he did have his struggles early in the game in terms of dropping a couple of balls. And which is, after, yeah, right. At, which right. is uncharacteristic, and after him not dropping any um, balls that hit his hands last year, he kind of struggled, I thought, in the first half, dropping a couple, but then mm-hmm. he really came on towards the second half, um, showing why he's probably one of the best wide – probably – the best wide receiver right now in the NFL in terms of him being so sure-handed. Um, and he doesn't have blazing, blazing speed, but he is able to use his body uh, so well to be able to put himself in positions to catch the ball and succeed um, with Deshaun Watson. And, and I thought he looked really great um, down the stretch of that game. And Deshaun Watson kind of like, showed that leadership um, in terms of keeping his team in the game and then driving his team down the field for what I think a lot of people thought was the game-winning drive. And, yeah, so I, I – yeah, Deshaun Watson definitely really impressed me. Um, and, and honestly, both these teams – I feel good about some of my preseason predictions here, like the Saints – I mean, especially given what the Falcons showed me, like I think that they're they're a clear cut winner for that division. Um and for the AFC South, I know we had a, like a lot of possible questions there. I mean, the Jaguars, I'm I'm kind of out on the Jaguars with Nick Foles out, who was playing pretty well before he got that unfortunate injury. Um but yeah, I, I think the Texans are my bet to win that AFC South. Yeah, and it, it seems like Gardner Minshew who was the replacement quarterback for the Jaguars. Didn't look terrible against the Chiefs at I, all. but it I think the Chiefs' defense is just but, like a, a dumpster fire. So, Yep. And I, I think that – and I was going to point that out, but I think it's more – it kind of – it's more attributed to the lack of a pass defense for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, more so yeah, there's than no Gardner Minshew being a good quarterback. Yep. So, I don't know – and I think maybe – eventually like 
talking about the Chiefs offensively, they looked as dynamic as ever. Sammy Watkins ended up having the game of his life, but against me and both my fans, yep, yep. right. We'll we'll get yeah, to that. We'll we'll definitely get into that. Um, but I think looking forward defensively for the Chiefs is going to be one of those really big concerns for them, um, especially against the Patriots. They 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 don't have. Uh, I, I think the, some of the players defensively that they're missing are really possibly going to cost them a trip to the Super Bowl. I I would agree with that. I, I yeah. I as much as the Chiefs um, offense was extremely impressive, and I I honestly think like probably the best in the league. I just I'm you know very hesitant to bet on that defense. Yeah, totally. So, were there, I mean, were there any other games that you kind of want to point out? Maybe we could do some rapid reactions to some of the games and go through them. Uh, Lions-Cardinals kind of saw Kyler Murray's, I would say, up and down nature. Um, And I think that's kind of to be expected for a rookie quarterback, uh, them being down 24 to 6 in the fourth quarter and then um, him leading them back. Um, to tie up the game and then uh, and in a tie <laughs> for the first week of the NFL season, uh, which is a, a definitely a real. We pretty much had a little bit of everything during the first week of the NFL season. Yeah, that's a that's a classic Lions week one. I, I don't know why, but it just it just makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, in terms of ra- rapid reaction right here, I mean the Cardinals. I I kind of was impressed with Kyler Murray. I mean. He he was just making these difficult throws um, that I'm not I'm not sure that they've had in the past, right? So there is like another level that this offense can get to, and I just think that it's going to take time for Kyler Murray to uh, just get acclimated to the NFL game. Um, with the Lions, they are I mean they are they are the Lions. Like nothing has changed. I feel like I've grown up with this type of Lions team that gets a tie every season or just goes nine and seven, seven and nine. So that's that's kind of what I'm slotting the lines in uh for this year as well. Just another season of um of average. Yeah, and let's go to the other overtime game of the week, uh the Colts Chargers game. And I thought this game was actually fairly exciting to watch, especially how the Colts would react um post Andrew Luck regime slash era. Um I thought they actually looked fairly good in the loss mm. here. Um, and Marlon Mack kind of established himself as uh, the leading running back in that backfield. And Jacoby Brissett didn't even didn't look that bad um, in the offense as well. Um, he went 21 for 27 for 190 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So I thought they looked fairly decent. Um in, during this game, um, and I thought, I mean, I don't know if you watched the highlight of Malik Hooker with that one, nasty one-handed interception in the end zone, um, which was kind of like a freakish athletic play uh, defensively, mm-hmm. but that was incredible to watch. Um, and I thought, I, I don't know about you, but isn't this just bad news for Melvin Gordon in terms of how productive Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson looked um, for them 
Austin Eckler finished with, I think, close to 150 yards total running and passing, uh, running and uh, receiving, plus three touchdowns in total. Justin Jackson finished with 57 yards. So it didn't seem like the Chargers really missed a beat um, running the ball at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that's like one of the big storylines for this type uh, for the Chargers right here. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure that I would pay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I would pay him after seeing this type of game uh, and that type of production from Eckler and Justin Jackson. I think that you know Melvin Gordon is slightly you know incrementally better than both of these running backs, but at that price point, I think that that's not exactly their need. Right. So I'm not sure that that would be the best thing for their buck. And it, it, it does look pretty dire for his contract renewal and uh, extension and, um, um, you know, negotiation here. So we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. I, I've never been the biggest fan of Eckler. I just think he's one of those small backs that probably won't be able to last the season. But I do like how they decided to uh, split up the workload with Justin Jackson, one of the bigger backs, right? Um, and for the Colts here, yeah, they, they looked a lot more impressive than I thought they looked. And both of us had were very high on Marlon Mack, and thankfully he paid uh, he paid out for us, right? He, he got the rock 25 times, 175 yards, 7 yards per carry, um, one hell of a 63-yard touchdown like run. Um, for me, like this Colts team is – I'm not going to go all the way and say it's playoff team to be honest but I think it's a solid team um who could still survive without Andrew Luck so I think that they're another like seven to nine team but probably not going to the playoffs right so Mike I thought and I think there's a two or three more games that I kind of want a couple reactions from you from so Rams Panthers um that I thought was a, a fairly interesting game the Rams ended up winning 30 to 27 um what were your thoughts on that game um, and how maybe Todd Gurley looked in that uh, for the Rams offense? I thought Malcolm Brown did a good job supplementing um, and kind of getting enough carries in that backfield um, alongside Gurley. Yeah, I mean, I was high on the Rams and pretty low on the Panthers, to be honest. And I, I'm kind of, after that game, my rapid reaction is that a little bit lower on the Rams and a little bit higher on the Panthers. Um, but still think the Rams are are going to probably win, I mean, win their division um, quite easily. Um, I mean, Jared Goff, like, he just, he did not look good. He, he did not look good. Like, mm-hmm. I had 23-39, like, one touchdown, one interception. But if you watch the game, he was just missing his wide receivers who were oftentimes pretty wide open, right? So that was definitely concerning. He he really did not look good in my eyes. Um, Cam Newton didn't play his best game either, but really impressed by Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I mean, if, if you're the Rams, you kind of have to know that that's their game plan. They're going to really run the ball with McCaffrey, utilize him in um, a lot of different interesting sets, but 10 receptions, 19 carries. Like, this guy, he, he doesn't seem like he has a body, but they are really making him like a workhorse. He's playing like 90% of the, 90, like 95, 90% of the snaps. Um, so honestly, I, I didn't think that he'd be as dynamic as he was this first game. And I know you were high on him. 
Um, but yeah, he was very, very, very impressive to me. Uh, in, in terms of the Rams, I mean, I'm not sure what they're doing with Gurley. They, they keep saying he's healthy, but then Malcolm Brown comes in, uh, snags those two touchdown runs. So we'll have to see how this shakes out. I'm not entirely out on Gurley, but I mean, if this keeps playing out for like another week, I think that that's kind of the cadence you have to expect moving forward. Right, but I'm not sure why they would decide to go with Malcolm Brown um, if, if they don't think that that's how it's going to move moving forward. Right, so kind of curious. I thought Todd Gurley was going to get a larger share of those carries, but it seems like they do want to integrate Malcolm Brown and make it a little bit more of a timeshare. Um, but yeah, I mean the Rams defense looked solid, it looked all right. Jared Goff. Honestly, a pretty disappointing game. I, I was much higher on him um, overall. Mm. So I guess moving on to the Eagles and the Redskins, and the Redskins jumped out to a really early lead before the mm. Eagles came back uh, to win this game, thirty-two to twenty-seven. And I thought it was fair. I thought it was concerning looking at the Eagles and how they fell. Um, fell, um, I guess, uh, behind. I think 17-0 before they ended up coming back to win um, this game. But the Redskins' Case Keenum looked fairly good, 380 yards for three touchdowns. I think the concern for the Redskins is that Darius Geis, um, again, knee problems. Uh, It looks like Mm -hmm. he has a meniscus problem, and he'll be out for the next a uh, couple weeks, and Adrian Peterson will come back into the fold. So that's a key injury for the Redskins. Um, but offensively, they looked like they had it clicking, um, especially against this vaunted Eagles pass rush. Um, and I, even though it took the Eagles a little bit to get going, Carson Wentz kind of aired it out, uh, threw it to Deshaun Jackson. Um, kind of looked – it, it just looked like it was like – five to 10 years ago with Deshaun Jackson in that Eagles uniform. Um, Just like things hadn't changed. He was still burning up the field, making those long go routes. So um, I think he gives a different, um, different uh, portion of their attack, um, kind of having that deep threat alongside Alshon Jeffrey and, um, Zach Ertz, who will who'll do like more of the intermediate routes. Um, so I think that's another positive. And I'm wondering, like, if you looked at how the running backs were broken down, Darren Sproles, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, they all got um, nine carries for Sproles, six carries for Howard, and 11 carries for Sanders. So I wonder how that ends up shaking out. They're they're actually rumored as one of the teams that might go for Melvin Gordon or trade for Melvin Gordon. So I wonder if that's a possibility at all. Um, any other any thoughts on um, coming out of this game? Yeah, I mean, I think that what was impressive. I mean, you said it was concerning. I I find it more impressive that Philadelphia managed to find their footing there. Um, they looked like a real veteran team that, like, you know, obviously started off slow, who knows, preseason week one, something happened, but what impressed me was that they were able to kind of face that challenge and make a pretty impressive comeback uh, against a Redskins defense that isn't terrible, right? And I think the other reaction there is that the Redskins aren't terrible, 
right? I think that they're not, I mean, obviously not going to be a playoff team, but something like 6-10 and 10 does seem somewhat more reasonable for this other team. Totally agree. So the last game that I wanted um, a couple of reactions from, uh, Mike, before you end, before we end up uh, previewing some of the games for next week, um, were Seahawks, Bengals. Um, I thought Russell will. I thought the Seahawks looked fairly shaky during that game. Mm. Like they were on the ropes a lot um, during that game against Cincinnati at home. They ended up squeaking it out 21 to 20. Um, John Ross kind of came out of nowhere for the Bengals, and he had a couple drop like key drops. There was one right before halftime he ended up having before um, Andy Dalton ended up connecting with him pretty much on like I think it was the very next play. Uh, they connected for like a deep bomb right over um, the Seattle secondary. Uh, for basically like a desperation Hail Mary uh, with like 12 seconds to go at halftime uh, to score a touchdown. So there was, uh, I was fairly impressed that John Ross, I think who a lot of people thought was a bust um, coming into this year, kind of provided and showed what he could do with AJ Green being out. Um, But is this a concern for, um, Seattle, Seattle Seahawks fans in terms of the way maybe Seattle struggled or is this kind of more the same um, that we've come to expect out of Seattle especially with um, it seems like they've kind of grinded out results um, in the in the past couple of years um, and come to expect this out of them um, with Russell Wilson. No, I, I'm pretty concerned about the Seattle team. I mean, uh, the the run game, the offense in general, like, just wasn't dynamic, right? I know DK Metcalf looked even better than we thought, but uh, I'm, I'm concerned with this offense. I'm frankly concerned with the defense. I mean, you let Andy Dalton get 400 yards on you, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, obviously, that defensive line and front seven are pretty – pretty strong, um, you know, Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, you know, Bengals weren't able to get anything with their run game. Obviously, the Bengals O-line is not not a very vaunted uh, group at all, maybe one of the nope, worst. No, not at there. all. So, uh, I mean, this is a time for your, your D-line to eat a little bit, but, I mean, the fact that they still let up 400 yards is pretty concerning to me. Um, and at the same time, like, they barely squeaked this one out. The yeah, Russell Wilson, fourteen to twenty, two touchdowns. He looked all right, but does he have the weapons? I don't think so. Yeah, and I I think that I'm I would be a little bit concerned about Russell Wilson about this offense and whether or not. And I think DK Metcalf kind of showed that he could possibly be that second weapon behind Tyler Lockett, but he he's going to have to do that on a very consistent basis before I believe that this offense is going to be consistently performing at a higher level. Um, And I think they'll be consistent. I think they'll be uh, really relying on their run game, especially with Chris Carson. And um, hopefully that offensive line could kind of hold up for Seattle. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I think that was kind of, 
where the genesis of some of the problems were um, offensively for Seattle. Yep, yep, agreed. So other than that, there's not much else I want to say other than maybe the Raiders, kind of giving the Raiders a quick shout-out, um, uh, especially with the tumultuous off end to the off season with AB and getting a nice win, 24-16, to um, to to over the Broncos and how um, it looks after, good. Yeah, after all that, Derek Carr looks fairly good, especially with like not really any big name wide receivers or weapons. He looked fairly good spreading out the ball, and I thought they they did a really decent job yesterday. Yeah, I, I would be concerned about their ability to really get in. Honestly, I, I was really not impressed with Denver. Uh, Joe Flacco did not. Did not show me anything very impressive. Um, I mean, Cortland Sutton was nice. But at the same time, Denver didn't really – you know, they were a pick where there was a lot of off-season hype. Vic Fangio, this defense. Like, there's a lot of good stuff coming out of training camp for them. I After that game, I, I can't buy into that, right? Um, but the Raiders did look solid, right? I was impressed with Derek Carr – I mean, we are a few seasons out from when he had that near MVP season, right? I mean, I don't think that this guy can't play. He's almost like Andy Dalton. Like, we write off the Bengals, we write off the Raiders, and we're like, you know, they can't play. But they have some relatively proven quarterbacks who are, I'd say, at least average, right? So, for me, the Raiders... You know, I was impressed. Not many weapons. Let's give them a little shout-out. I'm not sure how long it'll last, but they're not a dumpster fire. <laughs> no, not at all. I don't think they're they're dumpster fire, but uh, and I think they proved that. So uh, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt until they prove otherwise or until uh, some other story comes out of Raiders camp that is kind of bound to, to point to the ineptitude of that regime over there. So, Mike, yeah. looking – Looking forward to this week two of the NFL season, are there? I, I think there are a couple games that I find really fascinating uh, to point to, and I, I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are on how those games, uh, how you think those games are going to play out in your mind. So I think the first game, looking at uh, looking at Sunday at one o'clock. Uh, Vikings-Packers with the Packers being at home. Vikings coming off a pretty nice win against the Falcons, uh, looking pretty dominant defensively, uh, leading 28-12 to at one point against the Falcons, and then uh, ending up finishing that game 28-12. to Kirk Cousins only threw the ball 10 times mm, during that game. Yep. Can you – like, it seems like Mike Zimmer is really committed to running the ball um, with Dalvin Cook. Um, and I don't know for fantasy owners, that might be bad news for Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, but, um, I think, uh, it'll be really interesting to see how the Vikings and the Packers match up, especially with Aaron Rodgers coming off a pretty bad week. Um, even though it was a win against Chicago, I thought it was a fairly bad week for, for them offensively. I wonder how he's able to come bounce back, especially with a really talented Minnesota defense. What are your thoughts on how this game might play out? Yeah, I I mean, for me, I like the Packers here for this game. They were one of my preseason picks. 
um, to make the playoffs. And for me, I think that Aaron Rodgers able to get it done at home. Kind of, a, you know, Devontae Adams had a very slow game uh, last week, but that Bears defense, I think, is I think they're the best defense in the entire league. And I don't think it's that close, to be very honest, right? Um, I think that that Bears defense is just it's just really hard to play um, when they're especially at home. We saw it last year. They managed to take down a number of different teams. I remember they beat the Rams last year when they were at home. So for me, I think that, you know, Green Bay, uh, you know, I, I, I think that their offense will get to see how they play against another good defense, but I don't think the Vikings are anywhere near the, the Bears defense. So I like the Green Bay Packers here. Um, I think Minnesota is very well balanced, but I am curious to see like how they move away from the run game when they have to. So last year, they didn't really get the results they wanted when they had to rely on passes. So we'll, we'll see how this plays out. But for me, I, I have the Packers here, and, um, and yeah, I like the Packers at home. Yeah, and I think that's kind of evidenced by what – uh, Mike Zimmer did um, in the middle of last season when he let go of John D. Filippo, who was really relying on Kirk Cousins and kind of airing out the ball. And that was kind of evidence um, in the boom of Adam Thielen's numbers fantasy-wise and things like that. And um, mm. it seems like Zimmer's kind of going back to like old-school football where running the ball and then kind of just playing good defense and really just relying on that. And we'll see what ends up happening, let's say, if they're down 14-0 and they have to kind of uh, – they're not able to just run the ball and kind of take their time. But what happens when you give the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands? But I kind of tend to agree with you. I think Green Bay takes it at home against the Vikings. And I think it's a close game, but I think the, uh, I agree, the yep. Packers take it. So the next, the next game that I wanted to highlight um, – talk about we talked about Seattle before and the Steelers before but they kind of they match up um, at one o'clock this Sunday um, with the Steelers being at home um, and whether or not the Steelers can bounce back against the, uh, the Seahawks and I think these are two teams that people kind of think of as teams that have potential to make the playoffs so what are your thoughts on this game and how you think uh, this will play out? I mean, for me, this is one of the must-wins for Pittsburgh. Uh, they don't have an easy schedule, right? We talked about this earlier, and when you're at home, it's going to be hard to start off the season 0-2 when you have to still play the Ravens twice. Um, we'll see how the Browns are. The Tennessee Titans don't look bad either. So, um, like, we'll, we'll have to see for, for, for Pittsburgh here. Um, for me, this is like a must-win game. I, I mean, in my opinion, like I do like. Sorry, I I think I I said like the like the Titans. Sort of brain farting here, but you're gonna play the Bengals. Um, but for me, I do like Pittsburgh. I think that that first week was kind of like that anomaly. Um, they just need to get the reps in. They're at home. Obviously, Big Ben plays a little bit different at home. Um, so, uh, honestly, I wasn't that impressed with Seattle either. I say Pittsburgh wins this. I don't want to say close either. Like, I don't, I don't want to say it's, like, too much of a blowout. I think that it will be a relatively close game. But I think that Pittsburgh gets it done at home. Um, 
and yeah, they kind of get that offense rolling a little bit. Yeah, and I think the key to that and offensively is whether or not Juju Smith-Schuster is like one of these guys that is a product of a great offensive system and because of the attention that Antonio Brown had in this offense that Juju kind of ended up getting less attention on him and had a lot of one-on-one matchups to take advantage of. And that's where he really made his money last year. I'm curious to see whether or not he's able to still be productive in this offense and get enough targets from Big Ben, um, especially when the defenses are going to be keying in on him. And that kind of, you, you kind of look towards Dante Moncrief and James Washington to step up um, in when um, Juju gets a lot of attention placed on him and whether or not those two guys can take advantage of their one-on-one matchups. And I, I think maybe the game script kind of um, maybe moved away from them mo- running the ball with James Conner with him only getting 10 uh, rushing attempts last week. But whether or not they're able to establish the run against the Seattle team. Because the Seattle, I would say, front seven is a fairly physical front seven. Um, and and I think um, you kind of saw last week with Andy Dalton passing 400 yards on the Seattle defense. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Big Ben is able to do the same exact thing um, to, to the same, same results. Um, so I... I don't know. I think Pittsburgh bounces back, and I think they kind of win comfortably in this Mm. game, actually, um, and Mm. kind of reassert themselves. Yeah, I I would love that. I've got a lot of stock in Pittsburgh players right now in my fantasy leagues. Yeah. So, 425 game this Sunday. Um, Mm. I think this is probably the best game of the week. It's a rematch of... This, that last year's NFC Championship game. So I wonder if there's any bad blood from from that game. It's the New Orleans Saints visiting the LA Rams. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? And we forgot to mention when kind of talking about the New Orleans uh, New Orleans Houston game um, Monday night. New Orleans was there. Was, that energy in that crowd was unbelievable. But I don't know if you're watching the game closely, but there are a couple questionable referee decisions um, right. made against New Orleans that were was I think like kind of caused uh, a pause for concern for a lot of New Orleans fans, kind of wondering whether or not they get they were getting screwed again um, just because of all that trauma that they had. Um, from last year. So how do you yep. see this game playing out against uh, the Rams um, against the Rams and maybe whether or not the Rams are able to, I mean, they scored 30 points last week, but like you're kind of pointing out, Jared Goff didn't look uh, great or a hundred percent right. So what were your thoughts? What, what are your thoughts on how this game plays out? Because I think this game is going to be really exciting. High school think- game. Yeah, I think it'll be a really exciting game. I'm I'm kind of out on like like I said earlier, like a little bit lower on the Rams than than you are and than I was previously. I I'm gonna go with who I think is going to win the NFC. Um I'm gonna have New Orleans 
uh, win this game, right? And for, for me, what it comes down to is like, you know, Drew Brees, like this offense head coach, this defense, they, they just know what they are. Like they have had this identity, like they know their roles, like they have their identity, like they, yeah, they're all veterans pretty much for the most part as well. Um, I, I just like the Saints as a team overall over the Rams really didn't show me much, especially golf. Like last week, him missing like open wide receivers was extremely, extremely concerning. And uh, obviously some stuff they got to figure out with Todd Gurley, uh, Malcolm Brown. So for me, I like, I like the Saints here. I just think that this is, yeah, I, I think I like the Saints here. Um, yeah, and not, give me not, a little bit of Taysom Hill, uh, T- Taysom Hill package, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, give me some trickery right there, right? So for me, yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Saints. I'm going to say it's going to be a close game, but some I, I like them by, like, a, you know, at least a field goal, maybe even a touchdown. Yeah, I kind of like the Saints team as well. Um, I Even though it's a road game, I think they – uh, continue um, continue the success and I think they'll provide offensively a lot of points. I think it's going to be some a really high scoring game like 35-42 or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I think it's going to be a fairly high scoring game so I think that's probably the best game of the week. Um, we got Sunday night Eagles-Falcons uh, what are your thoughts on that? I thought the Falcons looked god-awful during that game. Um, Julio Jones didn't look like he ended up having it until he kind of came alive towards the end, get, got a garbage touchdown. Um, you know, Matt Ryan didn't look great during that game against uh, the Vikings at all last week. Um, Devonta Freeman didn't – I think he no, had like – he, he, nope. Flat, like less than 10 yards rushing um, during that game. So, and, and then he had a lost fumble. There, there were just a lot of concerns for this Falcons team. And this was one of the teams coming into the year that I was fairly high on. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I'm, I was concerned about that. And defensively, I was concerned that they, they didn't really show much. Um, um, and I thought they would kind of turn it around from last year, especially because they had some of those, um, key yep, injuries. pieces uh, coming back into the fold, and it didn't look like it changed that much uh, result-wise. So um, it's going to be at home. And if they go, if they go zero and two after this game, um, it's going to be a concern because, I mean, even though they had two tough games against po- potential playoff teams in the Eagles and the Vikings. It's it's really tough to come back from an zero and two start to make the playoffs. Yeah. So if you think you're out on Atlanta, would you change your preseason pick? I'm not out on them yet, obviously, because I I think it's a little too early to overreact. The only team that I've like completely written off is the Miami Dolphins, and then mm-hmm. everything else, everyone else is up for grabs. But I think once this second week ends up playing out, you'll see some patterns um, start to develop, and then you'll see some trends start to to form so you can start making more informed decisions in terms of how uh, these teams are performing and whether or not 
um, last week was an aberration or, or, and, and then whether or not this week um, kind of confirms what we saw last week. So that's, I think that's like my overall general thesis of whether or not um, what I think about each individual team. I'm pretty much out on the Dolphins and the Dolphins only, and then everyone else is kind of uh, has another chance to sway me and help me decide whether or not I believe in them or not. Yep. Yeah, so for me, uh, I'm – yeah, I, I wasn't too big on Atlanta in the beginning of the season. I just, I, I'm not sure about the defense. And also, I've never been a huge Freeman fan. Um, and yeah, like that Matt Ryan Julio connection just wasn't just wasn't quite there, to be honest. So I, I like Philadelphia here, even though they're going to be away. I mean, I was kind of impressed with their ability to be Brazilian and to get that win uh, against a Redskins team that I don't think is total trash. So, so for me, I, I like Philadelphia here, and um, yeah, we're gonna start to see some booze and some uh, fire chants. <laughs> exactly. So I think this is the biggest game of the week coming up for mm. our Jets mm. versus yep. Browns. Monday night, eight fifteen. What are your thoughts on this game? I think this is one of those games with like um especially for the dark horse chances for both of these teams in terms of them possibly making a um ASC wilds card playoff run. Um this is kind this is going to be the game that decides i think who's going to have a shot at it and who's going to kind of maybe struggle towards like a 6 and 10 7 and 9 season yeah so this i mean honestly like this is this is one of the biggest games of the entire season for our jets they just they need this win if if we're going to have any hope in them um for me New York Jets at home. I kind of like our Jets here. I do. I really do like our Jets here. Uh, I think that we had such so many kicking woes. I think that this defense is, is pretty solid. I'm going to say above average, even. Um, and we really just got to get this offense sorted out. Honestly, like a lot of new acquisitions. We got Crowder. We had Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I'm not out on Sam Darnold whatsoever at all. Like it's way too early. Like he he still has like a few seasons to prove it. But I mean, I want to see more from him if that makes sense. And this this Cleveland team is is solid, but I think that it's a very very beatable team at home. Um, I don't see why we shouldn't win this at home. Right, and I think there's some positives. Like uh, there's a report out today that C.J. Mosley. Um, who had the injured groin and didn't come back into the game against the Bills, that it was a fairly minor injury and it's not anything serious. And the Jets expect him to play on Monday. And especially with that extra day of rest, that ends up helping um, us in terms of having C.J. Mosley back on the field. And I think he was a huge difference maker um, during, during that game against the Bills. So if he's able to be back on the field against the Browns, I would feel 100% more confident confident in the Jets and their chances of winning. Um, I would like to 
see the play calling um, from Adam Gaze to kind of implement a little bit more downfield passing opportunities for mm-hmm. for Darnold. Um, it just seemed very vanilla. <laughs> I, I, I don't know any other way to describe it, but it didn't seem that exciting. Um, a lot of like hitches kind of like at the marker, nothing like uh, down the field, kind of pushing the ball down the field. And I think Darnold has the arms to be able to do that. Why don't you just set, you know, send Robbie Anderson three times down the field on go routes and see what happens and see if Darnold can hit him on one of those. So kind of varying, varying up the attack. I hope Gaze is able to do that a little bit um, and see whether or not they could kind of take advantage of whoever um, Denzel Ward is not covering. So that that is probably uh, the one – I would say hope that I have for this Jets offense. Um, Very up the attack, Adam Gaze. Hopefully uh, they're able to do it and see, um, pull it out for Monday night. Um, I'll definitely be tuning into that game. Um, But yeah, why not ride with the Jets until they prove me wrong, right? And then I think after this game, if they if they lose or lose horribly, then uh, it'll determine my optimism for the season. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a very long season if we lose this game tomorrow, and and honestly a fairly disappointing one. So uh, let's. I'm I'm still optimistic on this week. At least we have one more week of that. Uh, should we jump yeah. to fantasy? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that, and it, there's like there's that one big storyline of like Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield, whether or not Cleveland made the right decision in going for for Baker. Um, and whether Baker is able to bounce back um, against the Jets this weekend, that'll be a fa- like mm-hmm. one of those fascinating storylines because though those two quarterbacks will always be connected um, just because of the draft history and them being part of the same draft class um, and whether or not the right decision was made um, back then. So that's all I want to say about that to, to kind of close that out. But, uh, yeah, let's jump to fantasy. Fantasy, how did your week go? We, me and you were trading texts back and forth all weekend, uh, kind of wondering how our teams were going to start out. Um, how did it go for you? Because it did not seem like you were sending me some happy texts uh, no, it, throughout uh, Sunday. I mean, it, it's a rough morning when in the first half we're playing against Mahomes and Sammy Watkins. They're, I mean, they're, they're both at like 30 points apiece, right? So I went one and one overall for the week. I won, um, you know, the, the league that I thought I would win in those. So my one loss was extremely surprising. So I played basically the, the friggin' taco of our league. Uh, you know, <laughs> this, this dude, so we're, for context, this is a 15-person league. And we all just ripped this one. Which dude. is a ridiculous, which is a ridiculous league and a and, ridiculous format. And I'm honestly, just say it, yeah, it's ridiculous yeah, it, league, ridiculous format. And it's crazy because this this guy chose Matt Lacoste or something like the the pit, sorry the uh, Patriots tight end in the third round, and we we just this guy's never done fantasy it seems, but he did make two key picks. Uh, actually three, so he picked up Mahomes, 
He picked up Sammy Watkins, and he picked up the Titans defense, right? Uh, he also happened to pick up A.J. Green and played him as a flex. So we we made fun of this guy for being, like, a complete idiot, or so we thought in the draft. And he uh, he comes out, lays down, honestly, I think, like, second or third highest point total, uh, even with – his flex and his tight end not putting up any points because he, he drafted Matt Lacoste or something. And um, A.J. Green was playing as his flex because he forgot to set him. So even though he had Delaney Walker on his bench, he also had, uh, I want to say he had someone else on his bench. He could have put up the most points in the league. He still managed to beat me after I fledged, like I, I laid out like a full team. Um, you know, my team did all right, but Honestly, it, it's going to be tough when you're playing against Sammy Watkins there. So that's that's my fantasy story for the week. Pretty disappointing start to that week. I, I thought I was going to get a free win, but um, not what was in store. So, Mike, uh, for myself, I had a really, really positive week. I'm leading the league right now. Don't want to toot my own horn. But uh, leading the league had a fairly easy win. No stress. Love how it played out for the first week against the league commissioner. So that was really nice to to get that win. Um, ended up ha- I had Russell Wilson who ended up uh, doing okay for me. Julio Jones got that garbage time t- uh, touchdown that really helped out. Juju uh, who had seven points, but Christian McCaffrey ended up coming up huge for me. Two hundred yards from scrimmage, two touchdowns in total. Yeah, I was gonna say, how uh, did you win that game? That all I know. Was- Big players didn't do too well. Yeah, so Christian McCaffrey. I I started Devonta Freeman, who only had one point for me. Uh, Jared Cook, but then I got my bulk, the bulk of my points from Christian McCaffrey, Marlon Mack, who had a really solid game for me, um, week for me as well. Um, and then uh, my my specialists ended up coming up big. Harrison Bucker, seventeen points for me, and then the Seattle defense had twelve points. So I. I did it a little bit unconventionally this week. Um, Christian McCaffrey and Marlon Mack really did the heavy lifting for me. But Sammy Watkins was actually sitting on my bench uh, with 37 points. Mm. So that was a little bit hard to take, but it was definitely easy because the margin of victory for me was 40 points. So um, that was uh, a definite positive for me. Um, and then also, um, so I'm, so I'm an honorary owner of this other team, um, in a half point PPR team that I helped draft my friend draft in who's doing fantasy football, probably for like the first time ever. And, uh, yeah, we ended up, we're, we're leading in that league have, uh, 186 points in the half point PPR. So we ended up destroying in that league um, as well. Uh, so we had some really key guys. Um, uh, Christian McCaffrey again in this league. T.Y. Hilton had a really great game. Keenan Allen had a great game. Derek Henry, Carson Wentz, uh, George Kittle, Greg Zerline, the Vikings defense. So we had a really, really solid, well-rounded roster uh, for week run week one so uh yeah team booty blasters uh that's the name of the team so shout out 
quick shout out to Teen Booty Blasters. So that was a really uh, big positive. Mike, scouring the waiver wire, what are some of the some of the guys that I don't know if you want to give them away, obviously, but who are some? And I think the waivers um, by tomorrow, by the time I release the podcast tomorrow, it'll already be done. But who are some of the guys that you're looking uh, forward to maybe picking up in your league? Yeah, so, I mean, for the waiver wire, it's all about need. And for me, on one of my leagues, right, I'm a little light on wide receivers. You know, I, I had Cooks, kind of lay a dud. Um, Juju, I'm, I'm not I'm not certain on that. Besides that, I just have no one else. Um, and I'm also weak on tight end where I advanced McDonald. Um, Jesus, that guy did nothing until, like, the very end of garbage time. So, um, I'm looking for wide receiver and tight ends, and who I'm kind of laying my eyes on are uh, John Ross, third. And um, I, I like the Lions tight end. He had a lot of... T.J. Um, Hawkinson. T.J. Hawkinson, so yeah. Yep, rookie tight end. Got a ton of looks uh, in that in that Lions game, and I know the Lions do love their tight ends, uh, Matt Stafford especially. So those are those are the two names that I'm looking for on the waiver. Um, I think John Ross has some value until at least AJ Green comes in, and then I'm gonna, I'm getting out of that. And then for that second, for the tight end, I'm, I'm looking at, um, you know, T.J. Hawkinson, and so I, I just really like the target share, right? I think that Galladay gets a lot. I think Marvin Jones is kind of fading, um, and this this new guy, I think that they're gonna feed him quite often. And with this Lions defense not exactly being the best, I think that they'll get a decent amount of shootouts. So those are my two picks um, for that league. And besides that, in my other league, I'm also just going to target John Ross. The way I draft is typically very running back heavy. Um, So I often do find myself trying to waiver wire some some decent wide receivers. Yeah, and and I think for me, a couple guys to maybe keep an eye out on. Um, If Hollywood Brown is available... I mean, he only played 12 snaps um, on Sunday, mm. but if if he's available, that's going to be a hot pickup. Um, another guy maybe would be uh, Michael Hardman, who's um, maybe going to replace Tyreek Hill after Tyreek Hill got injured this past week. Um, and he, it seems like he'll be out for a couple of games. Uh, if he's going to be – he might possibly be productive on, in that offense. Another guy, someone, DJ Chark. Um, who might get a lion's share of those uh, Jacksonville targets. Um, another guy, Terry McLaurin, who looked really good in Washington, uh, Washington's offense. John Ross, like you mentioned. Um, and then running backs-wise, I think if you could if, – if there's Adrian Peterson, obviously with Darius Geis, that's uh, out. He'll probably be getting a lot of run, uh, touches at running back. Um, and rushing attempts. So if he's available in your league, that's another guy that I would possibly look for to pick up. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of really decent options. And I would say early on in fantasy, those are the those are the times when I would say are make or break times um, to pick up and scour the waiver wire for guys that'll help contribute for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. You got to strike now. Like it, it's by week four, week five. I think everyone's going to sort of understand who are those waiver wire pickups. But when it's week one, week two, I think that you could really find some value. So I wouldn't trust, kind of trust what you saw 
Um, trust the experts that you like. Don't trust ESPN's projected score. Yeah, exactly. And I think if you had to go by it, um, or go, like, really go for your gut um, and and really kind of evaluate and consult a bunch of different um, rankings and then from there, because of the amalgam of rankings that you've consulted, then you can make a really informed decision from there. Um, but definitely don't just rely on the projected score on ESPN or Yahoo at all. So, um, yeah, um, other than that, there's not much else that we want to say other than J-E-T-H, Jets, 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 let's go. Um, hopefully they're able to uh, pull it out uh, Monday night. Um, and we'll definitely be tuning into that game. And we'll be back next week uh, uh, to talk, talk and react to week two of the NFL season. So hopefully no other craziness ends up happening uh, regarding the Antonio Brown situation. So uh, we'll bring updates on that. And maybe he dazzles us in week two. Um, and we kind of talk about his on-field performance for a change in comparison to his off-field performance. So, Mike, thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast again, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in to uh, this week's podcast. I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up And I'm addicted, I can't get enough